Did you know that the perfect snack exists that not only has the yum factor, because that's important, but also packs a real protein punch? I'm talking about Wonderful Pistachios, a complete protein providing all nine essential amino acids. Wonderful Pistachios is one of the highest protein nuts. Each one ounce serving has six grams of protein, giving you over 10% of your daily value. Now that's a snack you can feel really good about. It's hard for me to currently pick a fave because they have several flavors to choose from, including no salt and jalapeno lime options. But if I absolutely had to, I'd say I'm in my no shells, wonderful pistachios, sea salt and vinegar era. It's the ultimate snacking solution for when you need a quick, convenient and tasty boost of pistachio goodness straight out of the bag. Whether you enjoy the ritual of cracking open each nut or you lean towards the ease of no shells, Wonderful Pistachios has something for everyone. It's time to elevate your snacking game with Wonderful Pistachios. Visit wonderfulpistachios.com to learn more. For me, the floating is a metaphor for my experience in this journey of Black womanhood where I never felt like I had the room to float. It was always I got to sink or swim. Hey, hey, so welcome back to the Brown Girl Self-Care Podcast. Uh, my name is Bree Mitchell. I'm the host of the show as well as the founder of Brown Girl Self-Care. This is a space for Black women to get to where the healing resides as we prioritize. Look, she's like, yes, God. <laughs> as we prioritize, I'm sorry, our humanity while existing in a world that really refuses to do so. So as you can see, I have a beautiful guest with me today in the quote unquote studio. I am in conversation today with the beautiful, the lovely, the super intelligent and amazing. Look, I don't even know you yet, but I already know your energy is just like, like this. Like, I feel like we have an Asili and Nettie moment, but I'm speaking with Candace Hargens. <laughs> Are we going to make it through this conversation? No, I don't we're know. not, and that's fine. <laughs> I don't know. Fine. We're going to try. But all right, so let me get serious here. So, doctor, excuse me, put, let me put some respect on that. Doctor, okay, Candace Hargens. Uh, she is an award-winning associate professor of counseling psychology at the University of Kentucky, where she studies sexual wellness and liberation. Uh, she also has a podcast. I'm going to let you plug that, so I'm not going to say the name, but you can feel free. Uh, as well as, uh, actually, you have a couple of podcasts. I'm going to let you plug those. And we're going to get into this conversation where we're talking about, now this is a serious conversation. We're talking about this. She had a war with her womb that almost literally killed her. But on the other side of it, once she made it through, she found liberation. She yeah. found happiness or was she was able to tap into happiness and liberation and, and all those beautiful things. So that's what we're talking about today. But first, please introduce yourself. Hey, y'all. My name is Dr. Candace Nicole, and I'm so excited to be here. Thank you for having me, Bree. I wanted to just name that I don't like long bios, so this is totally fine. <laughs> okay. But I will say that you can find me, like, I'll tell you where you can find me, and it's on my website or on Instagram at Dr. Candace Nicole. But I host a podcast called FTS or Fuck the System, and I talk about sexual liberation and another called How to Love a Human where I ask people, what would the world be like if you loved them? Mm. What would it be like? That's a whole nother podcast. Like, right, what would it, it is. Be like? I'm so thankful that you reached out to me because, you know, a human moment here, sometimes this is what happens on the podcast. I'm going to close this door because it is very loud and distracting. So give me one second. For those of y'all that are listening to this on the podcast, I ain't cutting this out. <laughs> 
not cutting it out at all. All right. Hopefully it stays quiet or if not, I will have to do that again. But I really want to hear what you have to say because this is an important conversation. So even just speaking for myself, the whole, the womb and you talked about fibroids in your message. I mean, I'm going to, we're going to get into all of that, but as unique as your story is, I know that so many of us, so many, so many, so many. have had similar, they can tell a similar story. Mm-hmm. Let's go ahead and start from the beginning. Before you kind of started noticing problems and issues, right? Who was Candace? Like, where did you begin your journey? Mm-hmm. So I've always been a precocious person, pre- precocious kid, and I knew that I wanted to be a psychologist since I was 16. So when I chose that career, it was really a function of my family's got all kinds of stuff. And then I took a psychology class when I was 16. I was like, aha, that's how you explain what's going on here. It gave me the language. And so when I took that class, I learned what I wanted to do, but I ended up taking the circuitous route and being a high school teacher for a few years because somebody told me black people don't see psychologists. And I was like, well, that's the community I want to help. And when I was true to myself my classroom became like group therapy sessions anyway and I was like I need to go ahead and follow the dream that I set forth when I was 16 which I did I returned to school and did that and I wanted to be a sex psychologist so studying sex so that I could be a practitioner somebody that would talk to people about their sexual wellness their sexual life their behaviors their decisions all of those pieces because I had had a remarkably good sex life up until I was around 28 or 29. Mm. And that's when that part of the story begins when the fibroids became symptomatic. And so Mm. many black women, like I wanna say out of all of the black women I've talked to or shared my story with, most of them have said, me too. I have, I've experienced fibroids, some symptomatic, some not, but that part has been really resonant with folks. And then I, um, I had a, an article come out in the Huffington Post last week where I talked about, no, maybe it was this week. What week is this? <laughs> what year is this? <laughs> I, I guess it was Sunday, Monday. I don't know. <laughs> I'm like, dang, the week is gone. But where I talked about the journey and so many women behind the scenes, DM me, email me, was like, me too. And nobody ever told me there were going to be sexual consequences to these mm-hmm. surgeries or to this experience. And I've dealt with this type of embarrassment and leakage, all of the things that we, we can discuss. But before that part of my journey, I was just a really curious, smart Black girl who was like, I want to change the world and want to help other folks feel good and liberated. And then that expanded. Mm. When you said that, I was just a curious, what did you say? A curious, smart, young girl, black girl, something like that. You had this very like high energy and just very happy and childlike and just very sweet is what I mean by it. I'm curious, did this journey, because you said it started around 28 or so, did it, did it kill that part of your spirit at some point? It didn't kill that part of my spirit. What it killed was my, this is interesting now that you're saying that. It killed the part of me that held on to the the fears that would perpetuate that curiosity of that intelligence and let me just be. Mm. And so even though it was painful and traumatic in some ways, the part of it that it 
that it killed off was really liberating for me. So you know how, I don't know, I, I imagine you might've had this experience and other black girls and women have had this experience where you're the smart one and you're the one that people think are gonna make it. And you know, all of the community that surrounds you and loves you invest in you. And they're like, if anybody's gonna do it, you're gonna do it. So I'm the first person in my on my father's side to graduate from college and all of these things. But the the things that were driving me before was about like, I gotta be the best. I gotta outwork everyone. I gotta be smarter than everyone or else I won't survive this system. And I didn't know that and have the language for that at the time, but it produced the type of results that people give a claim to, right? So I wasn't having to question it. But when I went through this experience and my energy was so low, I had the highest fatigue I've ever felt because of anemia. When, you know, I was having accidents with, you know, bleeding and the type of menstruation that you can experience with fibroids, when my sex life shifted, and that was such a huge part of my way of being, my, my wellness practice. I was like, well, why am I working so hard and fighting so hard in these systems? Like, why am I buying into this idea that I can outsmart systemic oppression or that I can, you know, be stronger than oppression and barriers? Like, and it, and it just, it just gave me room to say, I don't have to operate in excellence out of fear anymore. I just either am you know, and that's just who I am, but it's not something because I have something to prove. Mm. I love that. I, there's so many things I want to say just from that small part alone. And we only have so much time, so I got to pick and choose what I ask. But that, I will say this, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to just move on. That whole Black excellence thing, I mean, I, I get it. I do. I get it. I get but it. I get why it's celebrated. I get why it's like proclaimed. I, I, I get it. But part of me is like, if I'm not at the peak, you know what I mean? And doing all these amazing things that I am like less than or not good enough or mm -hmm. Like I have to be operating at optimal performance to be, I don't even know how to put language. To be to worthy. Right. To be valued, to be seen at all. And, yeah. it, and it came up to a point where I was like, okay, if I don't have the energy to function optimally today, am I still worthy? Yes. Mm -hmm. The answer to that is yes. And that's what I found. Or if I need to lay in bed and heal mm -hmm. for a few weeks, am I still valuable? Yes. The answer to that is yes. But I really... I really didn't contend with that until I had to contend with it. That makes mm -hmm. sense. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So you're 28 ish mm -hmm. and you start noticing something's going on with your body. Yeah. What did you, what did you start to notice? Well, you, so if you go from a normal cycle, menstrual cycle to one where you have to change hourly, if not more than hourly, that's a serious symptom. And I think I just was just dealing with it because it incrementally got worse until I was like, what is happening to me? Like, why, why am I struggling with this? So when I went to my physician, they were like, you know, your uterus is misshaped. It looks like there are some fibroids in it, but we're just going to take a wait and see approach. And that's what they often tell women with fibroids because there's not good science related to how to heal them, what predicts them, all of that. We just know that Black women are overrepresented in the people who have fibroids and the people who have symptomatic fibroids. So I was like, okay, wait and see. I can try that. But like I said, I'm a curious, smart Black girl. I'm like, I'm not about to just try that. <laughs> Let's see what else I can do, what else I can learn. So I tried like acupuncture and um, 
and herbs and eventually non-invasive surgeries where they go in laparoscopically and try to remove the fibroids. And none of these things work. Um, tried, of course, in improving my diet, health practices, all of the things that there were some science about or just some anecdotal evidence about because I didn't want to go under the knife knowing the history of Black women in the reproductive health system. Mm-hmm. I didn't want to have an open myomectomy, which is what I ended up having to have. But my doctors weren't relaying, like, this is why it's important. Like, you'll be infertile if you don't do this or you won't have, you know, I, all of those details were like, we'll just wait and see what happens. And meanwhile, I'm anemic. Yeah. I have to take a deep breath there because I know this, I am, I'm glad that this podcast is conversational style and not just like, okay, then what, mm-hmm. then what, because there's a, there's this, we can miss the humanity in it, in it all. And I want to let you know that I too definitely dealt with fibroids. I've talked about this on the podcast for sure, but probably in the last couple of years, I don't know the exact episode. But when I tell you, baby, the period was perioding. Okay. Well, you can't, you feel afraid to stand up because you're like, what is going to happen to me? I'm sleeping on towels. Yes. Yes. Mine started, I remember I was maybe 17, 16, 17. It was early for you when it started. Let me tell you this embarrassing story. And I'm pretty sure I told this on the podcast, but again, it's probably been a few years. I'm going to tell you something that happened to me. Um, I was on a date. Well, it wasn't a date. This this guy used to be kind of like my BFF, but kind of I liked him though a little bit. He was tall. He was fine. He was so cute. (laughs) And a little crushy crush. I did. I did. I had a crush. He was really cute. And but we were friends, honestly. But I was just like, but if something else happens, I don't know. But um, we had gone to the movies. And I was on my period. Everything was fine until it was time to get back into the car. And I did, but I knew I was like, oh, I gotta hurry and get the hell home. Like, oh shit. You because you you're like, you okay, know. Mm-hmm. you know. And I remember he had this, I forget the kind of car, but in his car he had these white <laughs> these, what is that? It's like not is it lamb lamp those car seat the, covers? This like the suede. No, it was like a that the lamb's wool or or the furry skin. ones. Yeah, sheepskin or something. Yes, yes. Okay, uh, this yeah. So he had that in his car. When I got up, baby, let me tell you, when he dropped me home, and at the movie theaters, how far? Maybe twenty minutes. When I got up, I was mortified because I had blood bled on his white seat covers yes i don't remember what even happened after that i kind of i guess i must have you blanked out at that (laughs) i think i did my soul might have left my body i'm not sure but that was my experience into the world of fibroids i didn't know what i had at the time and that was years to come i also had a myomectomy i'm pretty sure and that you have did they tell you to wait and see or was it like Go ahead and have a surgery. surgery. No, um, because I had been, I'm anemic as well. Yeah. Still, I had been dealing with this for years where I'm going through pads, like the purple pads. Yes. Yes. If they didn't have those, I, I mean, I was even, before they even had the purple pads, I was doubling up on, you know, mm-hmm. all this, all this. And just, I mean, 
and it was it's it's terrible the clots right Mm -hmm. so if you're seeing these things for anybody who's listening if you're seeing these things if you notice this and you think it's normal it's not normal like it's not that's not your body in its healthiest state Mm -hmm. and it's a symptom of something that's really severe and you're right the anemia is like a a sub-symptom of that much bleeding similar to you I was talking to this guy and was riding in his truck girl got up and I was like how do I clean this truck out like clean this seat terribly embarrassed it's happened on one of my supervisor's couches when I was training to become a psychologist happened in class and at a certain point it's just like you don't want to live like that it makes you not want to go anywhere when you're on your cycle and it's just and I didn't have pain, which I can say I'm really grateful for as it relates to like cramping and such, because I know depending on where they're positioned, it could be incredibly painful, but it was just such horribly embarrassing inconvenience too. So back before when we started this podcast episode, you told, you mentioned how something about it stopped you from having a good sex life or you said something mm-hmm. like that. Mm-hmm. Can we go back to that real quick? Can you tell me more about that? Absolutely. So when your when your uterus starts to shift or become misshapen, this is what I learned through the process of being a sex researcher, but also like looking through some of the sex medicine and reproductive medicine stuff, then your cervix can be like pushed in different directions, like your abdomen is extended or distended. Like, and so depending on the position, it could be painful because now your partner or you are pressing down on an area where you have a fibroid or you have something like, and if you've had surgeries for me, I had adhesions. And so there was numbness in some areas where I hadn't been numb before and scar tissue internally that hadn't been dealt with, like, or that, you know, accumulated over the course of the time. But then even just having before the surgeries, having periods that lasted a week and a half, two weeks means that for me and my then, then fiance, now husband, like our sex life, totally shifted because we were trying to accommodate like when am I going to be well enough when am I not going to be well enough and then end up can you can feel really just frustrated defeated deflated all of those things so I went from having what I would call a thriving and good pleasurable sex life to one that was tentative at best and sometimes painful sometimes disappointing and that Mm -hmm. just wasn't me that just didn't feel like me Mm -hmm. so where are we Candice age-wise so, so I know you said it started around maybe around 28 and you started to really notice that things were going on and weren't right. Where does your husband or your partner fall into this? Um, did he know you during that time? He knew me and, after I had been. Well, after with like the, this, yeah. Mm-hmm. So he didn't know me pre this, like the diagnosis of fibroids, but he knew me at a time where I was actively trying to deal with the symptoms. And so he was in that practice with me during our dating period, like, okay, I'm going to go to the doctor for this, or I'm going to try this, or I'm going to, you know, like, and he was completely patient and supportive through it all. Like, whatever you need to do, I got your back. I'm here for you. We got married in that time. And so when I had my, my major surgery, when I opened myomectomy, he, he was there with the doctor when the doctor let him know, like I had her uterus in my hand and there were way more fibroids than we thought through the, through the, um, ultrasound and she wouldn't have been able to conceive had we not removed them because one was sitting in the inside the uterus 
So he, you know, he heard that he understood he was there while I was healing through that. But right after that open myomectomy, the symptoms went away and I felt like the best I had felt in a long time. It was just like me coming back to myself and us coming back to each other. And within the, the next five months, I conceived my son. <laughs> and so, you know, like all of those, all of those pieces felt like they were falling back into place. I was like, new mom tired. You know how that is. If you're, yes. I don't know. It, like, <laughs> yes. You're just like, this is, this is a normal, like new mom tired, but it wasn't anemia fatigue tired, which is a totally different thing. And so I felt like I was coming back to myself. And then because of the scar tissue that was left from multiple surgeries, including a C-section and open myomectomy, laparoscopic surgeries, I ended up having an ectopic pregnancy like two years later. And well, two years ago. And what that is, is basically like uh, the egg implants outside of the uterus, it implanted on my fallopian tube and then it ruptured mm. and I went into to shock. And he was the one who was there when the ambulance came and the three EMTs were standing in my room over me, not touching me, not checking vitals and everything. And he's yelling at them to help me because I'm in and out of consciousness. And eventually he was like, if you're not going to take her, I'll take her. And he picked me up ran me downstairs out of the house. He's barefoot, you know, so he's traumatized and trying to figure out what's going on. And then they were like, no, just put her in the, put her in the, um, in the truck. And after that, when they started finally taking my vitals and giving me the IV and everything, when I came to, they were like, wow, he really picked her up. Like she was a feather, but we're making light of the fact that they had not done any intervention when I was in my house and they lay over me and that's when when they took me to the hospital they found out it was an ectopic pregnancy and they had to rush and do an emergency surgery so from mm. that point on that fear of it happening again really it it led to us having a, a sexless summer mm. and that was the point where I was like I can't live like this and I don't want him to have to live like this and I was like I can't trust the medical professionals to have my best interest in mind, but I'm a, I'm a psychologist, I'm a sex researcher. And I had a good black woman therapist. And I was like, what can I do? What can I learn to help myself feel recovered? What, who, you know, what do I need to do? And that's where that liberation part of the journey started. Cause as I'm laying in my bed, recovering from that, I'm like, what I'm not going to do is overwork myself to death. Like I just had this near death experience. I need to recalibrate all of my values. Mm. Mm, you better say that, recalibrate. Mm -hmm. Sometimes things will happen that really will have you questioning everything. Okay. Like, everything, like, nah. Like, I've gone through this, and I what I've gone through has shown me, like, I this stuff that I was doing yesterday or last year or last week or whatever or whatever, you know, like, nah, we're not doing that no more. Like, mm -hmm. mm -mm. so it, do, it does have you, like, kind of, like, reanalyzing and reflecting on, like, what am I aligning with right now? And what am I aligning with? Right. What am I aligning with? Because if we're to lead these lives of, of joy and liberation and abundance and like, like all the juicy stuff in life, like you are definitely not in your juicy phase with that whole body stuff that you were going no. through, which was a lot. <laughs> and a still lot. thinking I needed to outwork everybody while right. I'm suffering and fatigue. Like, mm -hmm trying to get tenure on the tenure track, trying to be a world-renowned psychologist and researcher. And half the month, I'm bleeding out. Like, it's just too much. It was just way, it was just not in alignment. It wasn't. Mm. Mm, you are definitely giving me flashbacks because I would have accidents at work too. This was when I was still working in a corporate environment. 
pre-COVID, obviously, too. Yeah, and yeah. Uh, just having and it was COVID, happen. girl. You're right. Well, I left. I literally left two or three months before COVID. I wish I would have stayed. I swear that God told me to jump at that time. But then the people that stayed ended up getting laid off. So they got like a bonus. I'm like, God, did you really? Was I supposed to jump then? Because I didn't get the severance like they did. So I don't know. I wanted the severance. <laughs> the severance that I earned. <laughs> right. Oh my God, did you? I think you told me wrong. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> but having accidents at work and me being the type of person that I am really just like, I got to go to work. I'm let me double Like, let me, let me figure out how I can make this period work for my job because I need to mm. show up. And I mean, I'm in the bathroom changing pads. Like I, and you know, that sound of the pad makes like, mm-hmm. if you hear a small pad, you know, versus someone that's taking <laughs> off this big ass, right. <laughs> and multiple embarrassing which it really shouldn't be but again it shouldn't be that's another thing about sexual liberation like our menstruation stories and experiences should not be embarrassing but you know what type of world we live in right but i love that you were just like nah (laughs) basically nah we're not doing this no more. And also, I want to go back. I love the fact that you had a partner or you have but obviously had back then too, a partner who was so mature because I know that some of the listeners that are going through this, they don't have a partner like that. Mm-hmm. They have someone that even though you're going through all this stuff, they still are demanding sex. Yeah. They are demanding you to get 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 your ass up and cook something. Just all all the make sure you go to work so you can pay half these bills whatever i'm just trying to make up stuff off the fly but i love the fact i'm not saying that your relationship is perfect i know nothing right. about it right. but no relationship's perfect but i love the fact that at least your your man your partner your spouse he had your back mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and even when it came time to you know when i was experiencing the ectopic pregnancy and recovering from that so you know of course he's terrified and traumatized because i have to go into emergency surgery you know the type of partner who will pray for you you know, mm-hmm. who can, who cares enough about you and your family to call them? Cause we live out of state. Mm-hmm. My family's not in state with us. So, you know, to call them and stay on the phone with them and then to advocate for me and other women who might experience a similar thing. So he reached out to the fire chief who runs the, you know, emergency management services and let him know and copied city council and whoever needed to be council and said, this is what happened to my wife. And I need to know that this will never happen to anyone again. Mm-hmm. because it's unacceptable. And he laid it out, you know, like this is what I observed their behavior as, and this is not protocol. And so, you know, he had, he was like, I'm, I'm not trying to get everybody fired or anything right. like that. I need your training and your corrections in place though. Mm. And that's important yeah. to me because even if it wasn't going to happen to me again, we know in a place like Kentucky where I live, this can happen to any number of black women. In fact, I know because Several black women from where I where I currently live reached out like this was my story too. Mm. And the part that hit most for them was when I talked about stoicism. So the doctor who was my attending physician once I got to got to the hospital, I, then she she her she um they gave me the IVs and everything, and I was able to let her know like you know I'm Dr. Candace Hargons, 
should not have to have used my educational privilege to get adequate health care, but I did what I had to do in that moment. And she was talking about, you know, this patient is stoic. She was, you know, naming that to her, her, the physicians who were with her. Stoicism is a survival strategy. Okay, so what do Gail Anderson, Oprah Winfrey, and Big Boy have in common? These are three people in media who back in the day showed me that my dreams were possible. These visionaries paved the way for me to take a huge chance on myself by sharing my voice in the podcasting space. Black representation in media didn't happen by chance. We had to fight for the right to be heard, to be seen, to share our stories, and to take up space. Imagine if you could have some of the power, richness, and depth of the Black experience in one curated space. You can. The next generation of influential Black voices can be found on NPR's new collection, Black Stories, Black Truths. In the Black Stories, Black Truths collection, you'll hear stories of joy, resilience, and empowerment, as well as perspective of the culture in real time. Every episode is a living account about what it means to be Black today, told from a unique Black perspective. Conversations ranging from Abbott Elementary to mental health to Tracy Ellis Ross, there is no limit to the range you will find on Black Stories, Black Truths. Stories should never be about us without us. Listen now to Black Stories, Black Truths from NPR, wherever you get podcasts. It's okay to be skeptical and to question things that don't quite sound true. Like the time that I was dating someone that was trying to earn cool points, so told me he liked every single TV show that I did, but then couldn't tell me any of the names of the characters on these shows he claimed to love. Like, seriously? If something seems too good to be true, do some digging before you invest your time, energy, or money. This is why when it comes to my health, I use Ritual because they know that every good skeptic deserves a multivitamin that exceeds our high standards. Their clinically backed essential for women 18 plus multivitamin has high quality traceable key ingredients in clean, bioavailable forms. These multivitamins are gentle on my stomach and are so easy for me to take. It's crucial that I trust what I'm putting into my body, so I love that Rituals Essential for Women is USP verified, which is a huge deal. No more shady business. Rituals Essential for Women 18 Plus is a multivitamin you can actually trust. Get 25% off your first month for a limited time at ritual.com forward slash self-care. Start Ritual or add Essential for Women 18 Plus to your subscription today. That's ritual.com forward slash self-care for 25% off. Your girl is a homebody, so one of the best parts of the day for me is when I can come home, put on my comfy pajamas, get snuggled up on the couch, and enjoy something to drink while catching up on a TV show. The thing is, though, that I don't want to drink wine all the time because, though I love it, I'm no longer a huge wine drinker like I was back in the day. I have morning headaches and even inflammation to thank for that. So, to help fill that gap, I've been enjoying Recess Mood as a guilt-free way to unwind. Recess Mood really is a vibe y'all there are only 20 calories per serving no added sugar and it's infused with stuff i like including mood lifting magnesium and stress balancing adaptogens which really helps me to relax after a high energy day recess mood has four delicious flavors to choose from my personal fave is strawberry rose if one of your goals in 2024 is to drink less alcohol this is the way Give Recess Mood a try today and see how relaxed it helps you feel. You deserve a healthier way to unwind. Head to takearecess.com forward slash self-care and get 15% off Recess Mood, your go-to alcohol replacement. For a lot of Black women, because what I look like being in there hollering in the pain that I was in, nobody's going to take me seriously. Mm -hmm. Nobody's going to be able to hear that or listen or to honor that I'm in 
incredible pain and traumatized and dealing with this. So I'm telling her like, these are my symptoms. This is, I don't think I'm like, I don't, I had a period recently, so I don't think I'm pregnant. I was, you know, like all of, and, and being able to lay it out, even though I'm bleeding out, we shouldn't have to have that level of poise, but I knew that if I didn't, it could cost me my life. Lord have mercy. Lord have mercy. Even celebrities, like we know, who was it? Serena. Serena. Someone else, I forget. Was it Beyonce? I forget who, but just um, their birth stories and yes. just not being listened to. And we know, everybody knows Serena got blood clots. She's the most famous tennis person and player in the Thank world. You. Everybody knows. And if she says her body is feeling in a way, who are you to question how her body is feeling to her? Listen, let me tell you something, Candace. When I had my daughter, which was a million years ago, okay, and I was in the, what's it called, the, the birthing room or the hospital or in labor, and I had a black nurse. Yeah, yeah. She was older when I was in pain. I wasn't in there like wild and out, but mm-hmm. I'm about to push a baby out right. my vagina. It doesn't feel like a little tickle, okay? <laughs> and so I was in pain. I hadn't had any pain meds yet or something I can't remember what I was doing, but I'm sure I was like moaning or something. Some kind of noise. Do you know what this lady told me? This black woman, this black woman, I have to stress that. Do you know what this black woman told me? This nurse that's supposed to be serving and caring. And do you know what she told me? What'd she say? She says something along the lines of you need, (laughs) just hearing this, hearing this makes me laugh (laughs) with disgust. She said, you need to tone it down. Our ancestors were out in the fields having kids with no help. You need to calm down or something along those lines. No, she didn't call on the ancestors for this nonsense. She was like, you need to stop. You need to calm down because our ancestors had like, in other words, totally like saying that I'm just doing the most and my pain was not significant. And that's unfortunate because, again, not only was she a nurse, but she was black. But you know how the the saddest part of that is how sometimes our our foremothers, our caregivers, our elder elder women in the community, and sometimes we do it to each other. We hold each other to this standard of strength. Mm-hmm. We're like, you got to be able to take it. You shouldn't say anything about it when you're in pain. If you're suffering, it should be in silence because they had to do that. And it's like, Mm -hmm. I'm hoping to live in a way where the things I had to do, the people I love and care about who are coming after me don't have to do. But sometimes they get stuck in that, like, well, I had to do it. Our ancestors had to do it. So you ain't exempt. Mm. It's like, well, aren't you here to create the exemptions? Mm. Why are you in this field if not to help me have a better experience than you had? Right. Something I never forgot because I did not expect that from Mm -hmm. her. But I, and, I, and I was only 27. I was pretty much by myself. And this current, this version of Brie would have definitely been like, I need to talk to your manager. Mm-hmm. I was not, and I could not advocate for myself. I mean, I could technically, but I didn't know how. I didn't know how no. to advocate. And myself. you were birthing. So even birthing. if you could have, you got other things that you need to handle right in that moment. Right. So, yeah. So you had the, am I saying it right, ectopic pregnancy. Mm-hmm. Uh, but before that you had, you had a child. Yeah. So 
I had my son in 2019 and then the ectopic pregnancy was in 2021. Okay. So that's very fresh. That's very mm-hmm. recent. How are you, I know at some point you decided that you wanted to proactively or yeah. just figure out a way to realign with yourself and with joy and, and wellness and just yeah. your mental health, like all of those beautiful things. Like it was after that summer. So in the yeah. summer of 2021, I was like, I know that I'm working beyond my capacity because I don't even feel like I have time to heal in this hospital bed or at home. I feel like I got to be answering emails. Mm. I feel like I got to be responsive to people who need me. And the fact that I feel guilty about that lets me know something about the way I've been operating ain't working for me anymore. Cause I really needed the time, you know, not only to physically heal, which was a significant process, but to emotionally heal. Mm-hmm. And I wasn't, I, I didn't feel like I could give myself that room. And that's why I got with a black woman therapist and was like, Hey, I'm struggling to give myself the room to heal. And I'm not even letting other people give me the room to heal. That's, that's the issue here. Like, what can I do about this? And she started giving me some strategies and all that while that whole summer, I'm researching everything I can about ectopic pregnancy, everything I can. And I know the sexual wellness literature, like the back of my, back of my mind, but Mm -hmm. I wasn't putting together like this reproductive trauma and what it could do to sexual wellness. Cause I was like, Oh, I got past that part with the, with the reproductive. No, Mm -mm. I had to put it all together. And the first thing she told me was, you know, when you feel like somebody's making a request of you, do you take a breath before you answer? Yes. That's number one cease. (laughs) That's number one. And I was like, damn, I don't take a breath. I really feel like I need Yes, I'm reliable and responsive and I got you. Okay, but do I have capacity right now? Because I'm being reliable and responsive from in a recovery space and that's not all right. So I had to take that wisdom first. That was my first step in the practice. And then I was like, what are the things that I now need to feel well again, to feel restored, to feel whole? And I had to develop the courage and vulnerability to ask for them. So like many black women that I know, maybe the case for you too, it's really hard for me to ask for help. Mm -hmm. It's really hard for me to ask for what I need because it's more vulnerable than just doing it myself. It's more vulnerable than just leaving a person who don't have time to figure out my needs or to like, you know, like who can't figure it out without me asking. So I had to do the vulnerable thing and say, hey, this is what I need now, which is different than what I used to need. Is that all right here? Mm. for my colleagues, for my husband, from, and even from my child, for my family members, is it okay for me to have needs for me to ask for the things that I need? And it was for many people and for the people who it wasn't, they had to adjust to me being in that practice of saying, I need more time. I can't finish this at this time. It's not, it's not feasible for me or I need to try with my husband, I need to try different positions or we need to use this type of stimulation or this type of lubrication because what worked then doesn't work now based on the numb spots in my body or like how I'm healing. Mm-hmm. Um, with, with family, like I need y'all to come visit us a little bit more because we need help with our son so we can have some time for just us as opposed to he and I just like toggling and doing the just us in our little nest thing. Like so many things I had to ask for And every time it felt difficult. So I don't Mm -hmm. want to minimize how hard it still is 
yeah. for me to ask. And my husband was like, yo, ask me for the little things too. He was like, I see you working up the courage to ask me for the bigger things. He was like, but there are certain times where I watch you struggle with something or I watch you overwork. And it was something that would have been really little to me. Mm-hmm. And you could have asked. I'm like, okay, okay. All right. So getting into that practice, that was the second piece. And the third was starting to introduce myself to new ways of understanding sex and new experiences related to just my overall well-being. Like one example is I learned to float. Like I learned to float and I learned to swim. So last summer, uh, all 22, I took off from extra work stuff. I was like, I'm not going to add add any extra consulting or things to my plate. Like I need a break and I need to establish that with all the people I've been working with. And even though they were kind of pushing up against it, I held that boundary so that I could do some of these things that I needed to do or wanted to do. I had a big fear of swimming in deep water. I was like, okay. <laughs> and so I was like, I'm about to put my baby and me in swim lessons because I don't want my toddler to get into the same pattern. So we went all to the whole family, went to the YMCA and I'm in the adult beginner swim class and he's in the toddler swim class. And we were, we were figuring it out. And now I know how to float and now I know how to swim. And that's for me, the floating is a metaphor for my experience in this journey of Black womanhood, where I never felt like I had the room to float. It was always, I got to sink or swim. Mm. And so I'm swimming Girl. hard as possible through everything. Man. You feel me though? You yes. feel me. Come on. And it was like, I need to learn how to float sometimes and just let mm. the water carry me. Listen. Don't come on here talking sense. Okay. <laughs> Don't come in here trying to preach because listen, yes, I love that so much. I love that so much. I want, I feel like I want to cry. Like I just, Right, because that's where I'm at. I'm like, yeah. the floating for me, it does. It's still, every time I do it, whenever I go somewhere where I have a pool or some moving water, and I just give myself over to the water and trust. It's, a, it's an exercise of trust. It's an exercise of like not having to put your energy forth at all time, like your best, highest effort energy all the time. And knowing that like, I'm allowed to just be sometime and the water will carry me. Just, and, and, and that to me feels like receiving too, receiving that support mm. and not feeling like you have to paddle and do all this damn work. Yes right and I still struggle with it from time to time but at least I'm in the practice now Mm. I'm like oh I I didn't cross on over into overwork again Mm -hmm. how do I back up how do I pause a bit or if me and my husband get into like a season where we're both working and it's like we haven't made enough time for intimacy how do we back up Mm -hmm. how do we get back into it again you know and being willing to try again and again to recover again and again Mm. I love that so much. I'm still thinking about like the swimming thing because I don't I don't know how to swim. And it makes me wonder. Girl, take you some lessons. I'm I telling have, you. Though. No, I, I'm telling you I in did. this season. In this uh, season. Right. Yeah. I took it when I was younger and it didn't. <laughs> it did yeah, I took it. Because I was scared. I am so afraid. Terrified. Me too. And I'm wondering how many other black people, I know we're not a monolith, but I'm just wondering, I I wish I would have looked up a stat and maybe I still will, but 
I'm wondering how many of us, I know that I know that we do not have a whole bunch of black people that know how to swim. Mm -mm. I could be wrong, but I just don't feel like I am. Just that fear of the water, you know? Mm. But I love the fact that you said, this is going to be a part of my healing journey because it's about more than just the water. It is. It is when you, okay. So when you break it down like that, like it's about more than just the water. Liberation for me is being able to release all the things that I'm afraid of that have previously governed me. And if I couldn't do it in a small way, like learning something that I've been afraid of, it was going to be harder for me to do it in a bigger way. And I'm really even grateful to the swim instructor they were a black person, a young black person at the YMCA. They were like, I've been swimming my whole life. Mm. And they were showing me the floats. And so it was just even a model of a black body floating that I could learn from that made that made the difference. You know what I mean? Floating with ease, swimming with ease. And I'm like, e-! like water is a process for me of ease. Like it takes weight off your joints and all. Like it's just mm. such a there's so many things I could go into with why water was important to this journey and (sighs) it was a spiritual experience for sure to just be able to go to an ocean so me and my husband went to Jamaica for one of my homegirls wedding anniversaries and I just got into the we stayed a little bit longer like you know asking for what I need for my family so that we can have that time right we stayed a little bit longer and I was just in the ocean floating and he was the first person that taught me how to float. And then he was like, oh, okay, that's as far as I can go now. Mm-hmm. We had to t- get some swim lessons. Yeah. But just being in the ocean and floating with him, it was just, it was transformative. Mm. Oh, bet. Not you getting in the ocean in Jamaica. Okay, the ocean. <laughs> that's huge. That is huge. So as you're now on this journey of like just reclaiming yourself right Mm -hmm. you're healing and you're obviously have more joy in your life like what's what what do you feel like is next for you since we know that you you're setting boundaries like you're swimming you're you're tapping into that liberation and your sexual freedom and just all the beautiful things like what do you feel like is next for you when it comes to just like your your journey of liberation Yeah. Whenever I experience something that feels liberating to me, I like to share it. Mm -hmm. That's why I've been just reaching out and trying to connect with folks to say, I don't have the answers. I'm not giving you a panacea, but I do want to share a part of the story that I know many of us have been through that isn't often shared and say, here are some things that I've tried that have worked for me. So just somebody hearing it's like, okay, this is something I get to try because liberation is about examining the options you have in front of you not being afraid to pursue those options. And if you fail, okay, try other things. Or if it doesn't work for you, try other things. So being able to share it as a part of it. And what I'm really excited to say is I have a book coming out. It won't be out until February of 2025 because we're pacing ourselves. <laughs> okay, <laughs> right. fair. That's fair. Right, right, right. <laughs> so I need time to write all of it. Yes. <laughs> yes. It's be. But it's talking about it's talking about good sex. And all the things that it can be. So we have these little narrow ideas of what sex is, which is another thing that was getting in the way after in my healing journey. I was like, I know as a sex researcher that sex can be way more than what I'm experiencing. So how do I, how about I get into that? 
thinking sex is only penetration to sex is all of the erotic things you can do with yourself and with your partner, right? Mm -hmm. Thinking like sex only has to be um, with your genitalia to sex can be the way you talk to me, the way you text me, the way, you know, like all of these, right? Like, okay. And it's, and it's like, okay, I know this theoretically, but now it's time to put these things into practice. Sex is not just orgasm, pleasure, and it can be fun. It can be intimate. It can be loving. It can be kinky. It can be nasty. Like all of these things that sex can be, I get to write about that. Mm -hmm. And so we don't have, I'm presenting it like we don't have to have shared definitions of what good sex is. Your definition could be different from mine, but here are the components that most people think are related to it. You read the ones that work for you so you can deepen your experience. Like if you're struggling with passion, passion was one of the components of sex that most of the people in my research study said was necessary for it to be good. But a lot of people struggle with it, especially when they're working and overworking. Yeah. So it's like, okay, how do you reclaim capitalism, like energy, like the energy that capitalism took from you so that you can experience can passion in your life? Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah, for sure. I, I, I need a copy of this book. Cause I'm gonna tell what, you when it comes out, you gonna have one. Okay. I you have, have a pre-copy. Oh, thank you. I definitely have sexual hangups for sure. Who does it, right? Yeah. Thank you for saying that because there are times when I feel like it's so isolating. It is. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So I appreciate you saying, who doesn't, sis? A uh, whole sex researcher still managing and dealing with yeah. my own. So you are not alone. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I definitely want to invite you to come back to the podcast once that book is coming out so i can read it have you back on we're gonna get into the nitty-gritty i'm so sorry it's just ghetto here there's just so much noise non-stop it's like driving me nuts but um yeah definitely so part two forthcoming of this conversation about sex the sexual liberation side of it and the passion and the and the research and on all that stuff because like you said i know i have sexual hang-ups you said that you do you're a whole sex researcher we need to have this kind of conversation. So mm-hmm. we'll put a pin in that yes. for now. Um, but as we wrap up, and this has been such a juicy, amazing conversation. I cannot mm-hmm. even tell you how pleasurable and liberating and amazing it has been to be able to be in conversation with you. Um, I guess as a, a last takeaway to the Black woman that's listening to this episode, um, what would you like to say to her, I guess, as we wrap up to maybe offer her to tap into her or even be open to tapping into liberation, um, especially if she's had these issues with her body or, you know, just different things like that. What would you say to her? Mm, So, okay. I have two things. Mm -hmm. One is that you have to have compassion and forgiveness for your body's response to these really traumatic systems. Because I don't think my body, I think the way I experienced it was as a bodily betrayal. Like my body is betraying me. Mm-hmm. And when I reevaluated that, I'm like, no, the systems that I have lived in have betrayed my body and my body's having a response to that. If you think about a history or a legacy of Black women having gynecological experimentation and my grandmother and grandmothers before having un- consent non-consensual hysterectomy and all like all of these things I get why our wounds would respond and react to that 
just at a, like a spiritual level, right? I get why the environments we live in with the toxins around us and the overwork we're asked to do and all of these would cause us stress, would fatigue us, would tire us out. And I'm thinking my body is betraying me because I'm mm -hmm. supposed to be producing in this world. And then when I reframed it, I was like, no, these systems are betraying me. Mm -hmm. My body is responding to that. Mm -hmm. So just reframing and putting the blame where blame is due, sis. Mm -hmm. Like my podcast is called Fuck the System for a Reason because we know we all live in systems, but the ones that are especially toxic to Black women, like sexism, racism, heterosexism, capitalism, ableism, all of these things, the fact that many of us are trying to thrive in those systems is costing us something at a physical level. It's expensive too. And so loving on your body and affirming and com com having compassion for and forgiveness of your body and the ways that it chose to react to that is a really good way to frame your own sense of goodness, your inherent worthiness. And then the second part of that is when you realize you get to take a better, a, a more healthy lens to how you're dealing with this, to how your body is dealing with it, then you've got to be able to say, what do I do? What do I do about it? And I would lay out my, my favorite thing to do is a yes, no, maybe so list. This I use for like what you want in your sex life, but I also use it for what I want in my regular, like, like other parts of my life. Yes is absolutely. I want this. I like this. It brings me joy. It does it for me. And no is like, absolutely not. Tried it once. Will not be trying again. Tried it twice and shouldn't have tried it the second time because I know I didn't like it. <laughs> or I didn't even have to try it because I know this ain't, this ain't it's that. For me. Mm -hmm. It's a no. And then the maybe so is, oh, it depends on the context. Maybe if I'm in Jamaica, you know, <laughs> and so for my, for my sex life, my husband and I did this together, but I did it for myself. And then he did it for himself and we brought it together. Yes, no, maybe so, but also do it for yourself because you're going to have to really give yourself permission. Nobody can do that for you. And to give yourself permission to go for your, for, for your real yeses, you need to know what they are. And a lot of us have been socialized out of that sense of self where we don't even know what we really like. We just know what people expect of us. Mm. Whole words. I hope, I hope y'all scooped up all the gems that Dr. Candice dropped for us today. Absolutely. <laughs> amazing conversation. Um, thank you for that. Um, your words really touched my spirit today. They really, really did. I'm so glad that I had the opportunity to be in conversation with you, like real talk. I am too. I am too. Real talk. So where can we find you online? Okay. So I'm on Instagram most <laughs> often at okay. Dr. Candice Nicole. Uh, D-R period C-A-N-D-I-C-E-N-I-C-O-L-E. -E. I'm also on Facebook and YouTube at Dr. Candice Nicole. So you can find me there. My podcasts are on YouTube and my website is drcandicenicole.com. So you can see a bit more of the work that I do and like what type of research, what type of practice, community stuff, things like that. And then when the, when the bookie book drops, I will be sharing that. So if you're in my community by following me on those social media, you will get updates about it. I'm really transparent about like what I'm doing, what I'm writing, what I'm thinking. So you'll know some of the tidbits that are going to be in the book, but it'll be dope to see how they come together, especially with a good editor. Mm, I love that. All right. So now you know how to find her. Make sure that you go and you follow, you like, you share, you read. Um, 
because it's gonna be it's like this is like a life-changing thing for us mm. it, it honestly really is we we need to have people like you in the community that are doing this work that you're doing and so um yeah it's just it's relevant it's important it's life-changing we, we need all of it sis so i'm excited for the book i said that already but i want to say and that thank again. you for everything you do for us in our community because like you just described we're going through very similar things and you're building a powerhouse network and podcasting community and still having to deal with the effects of all of that. It's just, so I'm, I'm appreciative of you and everything that you're doing. Look, as soon as we're done, I'm gonna go off and uh, take my iron and my orange juice because- Look, have you tried Geritol? Cause Geritol helped for me. Girl, it's got like vitamin B in it and the iron is liquid. And it's like a, what the elders would recommend, but that was, it was working. So find you some Geritol at Walgreens or CVS. It will do it. Okay, because Geritol was like a joke back in the day. You right. know what I'm saying? But, but it's fire. <laughs> yes. Because you know I'm how good. if you're deep anemic and you be eating ice. I used to. Not bad. That's, like that's, the, that's the depth of anemia, right? When you know yeah. you're at that point. So it shifted by my use of Geritol. So that's what I'm saying. Mm -hmm. So you take this every day? I don't need to take it every day anymore because I'm not okay. bleeding the way I was bleeding before. When I was. Yeah. And recovering from all of that, yes, that was really? critical. Mm -hmm. I have written it down. You have yes. spoken, and I have written it down. <laughs> so I will be copping some Geritol in the next couple of days. So thank you for that as well. All right. Well, that is it for this week's episode of the Brown Girl Self Care Podcast. I want to again thank my guest Candice for being here with us today and just dropping all these gems. Um, what else do I usually say at the end of the podcast? I'm having a brain fart. Oh, <laughs> make sure that you, uh, if you love what you heard, make sure you share the episode. Um, and for those of you that have been leaving me those beautiful reviews and ratings on iTunes and asking those questions on Spotify, I'm telling you, those reviews that you leave are so heartfelt and they just Aww. blow me away every single time. So I just want to say thank you so much for that. So now with that said, that is it for this week's episode. I will see you next Monday on the Brown Girl Self-Care Podcast. Take care. Take care.